0: Welcome to Watchman on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Celebrate 90 is in full swing. All this month, we're celebrating Southwest Radio Ministries' 90th anniversary. This month, we'll be sending to you 90th anniversary commemorative editions of the Prophetic Observer Newsletter and Timely Tools. If you're not currently receiving the Prophetic Observer or Timely Tools, make sure you call today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Today, Celebrate 90 continues as we head back to 1998 and listen to Noah Hutchings share details on his amazing life. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about our next Clarity to the Chaos conference. It's almost here. Saturday and Sunday, April 15th and 16th, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Greg Patton, Micah Van Hus, Josh Davis, Larry Stamm, Lonnie Shipman, and Ken Copley will all be presenting how you and I can have clarity in the midst of all the chaos. Visit the events page of our website and register today. SWRC.com is where you can find the complete speaker lineup and schedule. SWRC.com and click on events. Or if you'd like to register by phone, simply call 1 800 652 1144. And when you visit our SWRC website, be sure and check out all the brand new resources that are available brand new books and DVDs from Billy Crone, Tom Horn, Michael Hoggard, Micah Van Hus, Josh Davis, and Dr. Larry Spargimino swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Now, let's rejoin Kenneth Hill and Noah Hutchings for part two of As It Is in the Days of Noah.
1: Noah, last time we talked, we talked about the fact that you were finished with the war. You were getting mustered out of the service. What happened after that?
2: I
3: returned to my mother and father, who were living at that time still on the farm near Hugo, Oklahoma, in southeast Oklahoma and Choctaw County. After getting out of the Army and going back home, there was absolutely no work. I had operated a service station for Anderson Pritchard Oil Company, but because of the war and rationing, gasoline rationing of very few cars, I think about half of the service stations had been closed down, and there was not much demand for an ex-radar operator or an ex-field artillery direction man. So what to do? There were no, no jobs. Just think, there were 16 million people Men and women being mustered out of the armed services. How many? Something like 16 million. I think if you check the World Almanac, there were 16 million men and women connected with the armed services at the end of World War II. And the war plants making tanks and ships and planes and army clothes and helmets and everything, that suddenly stopped. Millions of people were suddenly out of work nothing to do. I thought, well, I will try to go back to school, and I did go to Oklahoma State University and tried to get into school there, but it was at the beginning of 1946. I couldn't get in the second semester. The waiting list of boys and girls returning was long, and they indicated that they didn't even know if I could get into Oklahoma State University the next semester, which would have been the fall of 46. I selected a small university here in Oklahoma City, Hills University. And from 19 and 46, I think it was about February March, I continued at Hills University until about 1949, got my degree, and went to work as an accountant for a freight concern. And that lasted for a couple of years, and I had some health problems. They may have been related to the war. I had to have a lot of sinus operations and teeth work. I went to Lubbock, where my father and mother had moved to by that time, and had a lot of work done on my sinus and my teeth. And then returned, I was out of a job, and I made application with Firestone Rubber Company. I was accepted, and I was to go to work in about two weeks. But I needed something to do during these two weeks. I looked in the paper, and there was an advertisement for a part-time typist and had a telephone number there, so I called. I was told where to come, so I sat down and typed. I was a good typist, and, you know, I still type all my manuscripts and everything. I suppose I can still type 80 or 90 words a minute. And I was accepted, and it was in the office of Dr. E.F. Weber at Southwest Radio Church. So I was giving some typing to do, and as I was working, Dr. Weber came up, and he had found out that I had an accounting and business administration degree, and he was having some trouble with the IRS at that time over the designation of certain gifts. And I think they had assessed him something like $15,000 And he was fighting it. He didn't want to pay it. He asked if I could look over his books and help him get ready for his court appearance. So I said, sure. I'd just soon do that as sit there typing. He gave me his books, and I started going over them. The books were in kind of a mess, and I wasn't sure he had a case anyway. So I made some disparaging remarks about his bookkeeping. So he fired me. I was there only two days, and here I was already fired didn't make any difference to me. I wasn't a Christian, and I thought, well, I'll just go on and go back to my apartment. So I got my coat. I think it was April the 1st. It was kind of an April Fool's Day, I guess. I got on my coat and was going down the stairs, and he was waiting for me. They reached the bottom of the stairs. The office at that time was very small. There was only about five people working in the office. He had a regional program. It was an online program, heard over about eight or ten stations here in the southwest, Oklahoma, Texas. I think it was one over Fort Smith. And he said, son, do you like to fish? And I said, sure, I like to fish. He said, well, would you like to go fishing? Well, I was a pragmatist, so I said, why not? I didn't have anything else to do. I'd been fired. So he went and got his motor out of the garage, put it in his trunk. And we went out to Lake Hefner. He rented a boat, and we went out, and we caught a lot of fish. Now, my mother, before I had joined the Army, had joined the Church of Christ. And my father also had joined, I think, a couple of months after she did. They went regularly to church, but I had not made any profession of faith at that time. I had some problems with the church they joined. He explained the gospel to me in a way that I had never heard before. He brought it down to a personal level, that Jesus Christ had died for me personally. I had never heard that before. And he said, son, I believe that God has a plan and purpose for your life. And I was saved out there on the middle of a lake. We got back to the office. And he said, would you like to come back to work tomorrow? I said, sure, I've got nothing else to do. I've got a job opening up in a couple of weeks. So I came back to work next morning, did some more work on his books, did some typing. We listened to the program in the office. When the time came for me to leave and go to my new job at Firestone, I just didn't go. There was something there that held me back. There's something there that seemed like that I wanted to do. There seemed to be a commitment there that I should fulfill. And so I just stayed at the office, and I've been with this ministry ever since that time.
1: That was 1951?
3: 1951. 1951, April 1951. Dr. Weber and I became good friends. He called me Hutch, and he'd come up and it's say, Hutch, close up your typewriter and let's go fishing. He and I went fishing a lot. We traveled a lot together. And the Lord called Dr. Weber home in August of 1959. And he was a great man during those years. Dr. J. Vernon McGee would come in and 1951 and 52, Dr. Weber held a citywide evangelistic campaign in the civic auditorium here, brought in Roy Rogers and Dale Evans and Red Foley and some other people. It was in Civic Auditorium and Dr. McGee, I still remember it, brought the messages. Homer Rodehaber, Carl McIntyre would come and we'd go out and march with Dr. McIntyre, picketing the Liberal National Council of Churches' churches around and Dr. Herbert Lockyer was a regular visitor to the ministry. So many people that are on the radio today actually began over Southwest Radio Church. I was in a meeting recently in Dallas, a pre-mail meeting of scholars around the country. I think it was hosted by the Dallas Theological Seminary. And someone came up and shook my hand and said, I just want you to know That if it were not for you and Southwest Radio Church, half of these people would not be here today.
1: You're talking about the Pre-Trib Research Center and their gathering there. And I, I know that was gratifying to you because of your long association with Southwest Radio Church, realizing how attached you are to the ministry, to know that those folks were there and they've been continuing on in their own pursuits many of them seminary professors, many of them Bible teachers, many of them radio ministers as well, all because of Southwest Radio Church. It's a pretty neat legacy that we've got here with the broadcast. We're talking with Noah Hutchings. Noah Hutchings is, of course, the president and the director of Southwest Radio Church. He's the one that you hear on these programs every day. I'm just sort of a sidekick here for a while, talking to Noah. I'm Vice President of the Ministry. My name is Kenneth Hill. We're talking specifically about the book as it is in the days of Noah. And What we're talking about and what we're telling you, we can't go into the detail that Noah has in the pages of this book. It's a 350-page book. It's too large for us just to give you every point, and so we're sort of passing over the highlights here and we're into that time period of Southwest Radio Church ministry. So if you'd like to have a copy of the book, we would be delighted for you to get one. They are available through Southwest Radio Church. You can call 1-800-652-1144. Tell the folks who answer that you'd like to have a copy of the book, 1-800-652-1144. Noah, before we go further, In the ministry of Southwest Radio Church, let me ask you a question about the times. You mentioned Dr. Carl McIntyre and the marching against liberal World Council of Churches and all that. The times were somewhat different than we know here at the end of the 20th century. There were times when people really believed in protesting properly. They believed in peaceful assembly. They believed in petitioning for redress of grievances. They believed in a public show of what they stood for. They were not afraid to do that publicly. And there were a lot of folks in the church, I don't think we could call them militant necessarily, but they were certainly committed and they were willing to commit publicly. And Dr. Weber was one of those and you became one of those as well when you got saved and got involved. But Dr. Weber was pretty fiery, wasn't he? I mean, his rhetoric, his preaching style was pretty bombastic.
3: It was. He didn't need a script. He didn't need an outline. He just got on the radio and preached. And he was a tremendous evangelist also. I still meet a lot of people around the country who were saved through the ministry by hearing Dr. Weber preach the gospel. The format of the ministry, though, has never changed. He would have outstanding men of God come in. If he thought someone had something to share with the radio audience or could bring an added dimension to the ministry, could bring added information, more profound Bible teaching than he could, he would have them. Guest speakers were regular on the program. He was not jealous of anyone. But one of the sad things, though, when the Lord called Dr. Weber home, I know I came to work that morning, and there was a ambulance in the driveway, so I knew something had happened. I got with the two boys, David and Charles and Ms. Weber, and we decided to do a memorial book, a little memorial book about 50 pages full color about his life. So we contacted a lot of those who had been on the program, Who had been with Dr. Weber out on meetings that Dr. Weber had helped, but you know, very few of them even wanted to write a memorial message or a commendation of Dr. Weber and his ministry. Was that
1: because he was so hot?
3: I think so. uh, He He was so controversial. Yes.
1: Yes. We find that today. People back away from Southwest Radio Church and stations won't carry the broadcast, for example, and. And we have folks who are always talking about the controversy, when in in reality, Southwest Radio Church broadcast is not a controversial broadcast. We don't seek confrontation, do we?
3: Certainly not. The things we proclaim today are the same things we proclaimed in 1951. My understanding and views of declaring the whole counsel of God have not changed. My doctrinal understanding of the dispensational plan and purpose of God has not changed. I see no reason to change it. Sure, you have to change your message a little bit. You have to change the method of reaching people today. You have radio. You have television. You have literature dissemination. Sure, today people's attention span is not what it was in 1951. You have the click, click, clicker on the television. Oh, I like that Boom. Then you click. I'm tired of this one. Click, click. We live in a faster pace today.
1: Well, one of the things that I think that Dr. Weber was always at odds with certain parts of our our society and our government was the relationships with China. You mentioned in your book in 1948 that Madam Chang had pled for help in Washington, D.C., when they, I I guess the Communists, were overrunning China. Dr. Weber and Southwest Radio Church apparently took a strong stand.
3: Certainly, Southwest Radio Church supported the China Inland Mission. In fact, the first month I was at Southwest Radio Church, I wrote checks in the amount of $110,000 just for mission. That was just for one month. That would be like a million dollars today at least, or three or four million. We supported the African Inland Mission, the Sudan Interior Mission, the Belora Eye Clinic, Indian Missions, and I could go on and on. But China was one of the missionary efforts that Southwest Radio Church also supported. In fact, Dr. E.F. Weber caught the last plane out of Shanghai before... Mao Zedong's troops marched into the city to take over. Chiang Kai-shek was a professed Christian. His wife was certainly a committed Christian. It is thought that Chiang Kai-shek was a Christian. I think his Bible was even buried with him in his casket. At that time, there were liberals in Congress that resulted in the McCarthy investigation. I think Joseph McCarthy did a good mission for the United States in that regard, although he was criticized. You had Harry Dexter White and other liberals, Chambers and whoever, Hiss, and Marshall was also somewhat of a liberal, or he was influenced by liberals. The United States had provided Chiang Kai-shek with weapons, with guns, mainly to fight the Japanese to help keep the Japanese pinned down. But while he was doing that, Mao Zedong, who had in the great march to the West, was arming and gathering his army. There were liberals in the country who presented the same old argument, oh, Chiang Kai-shek is corrupt, his government is corrupt, Mao Zedong is an agrarian reformer, there's no need for this war, just get them both together and, and force them to uh, farm one government. Chiang Kai-shek would not do that. Chiang Kai-shek said the Japanese are a plague of the flesh. Communism is a plague of the soul. So he refused to join the communists and General Marshall cut off his ammunition supply. All his guns shot American ammunition. Many believe that is why Chiang Kai-shek lost China to Mao Zedong and the communists. And I think America bears a certain responsibility there. We deserted Chiang Kai-shek, and he had to flee to Taiwan.
1: Well, we've seen that as a pattern over our history of, of late, especially since World War II, of deserting our friends who have helped us And we we run out on them, whether it be the Shah of Iran or whether it be one of the principles, say, in Nicaragua or in one of the other countries in the Central American or South American area. Or Cuba. Or Cuba, yeah.
3: Ken, we have a lot of flack today about gun control. And I know that parents could be more careful about keeping their gun in a safe place where children... Cannot get to it. I don't own a gun myself. I don't criticize those who do. It is constitutional right. But what did Mao Tong do? The first thing he did, he said political power comes out of the end of a gun. He took everybody's guns away. You go to China today, there is no one in China who owns a gun except the military. I was in Cuba recently. Well, they say, well, why don't the people get up and throw Castro off? He owns 57 estates. He's one of the richest men in the world, and the people down there are starving to death. Why don't they get rid of it? Only the Cuban army has guns. I certainly believe that we should keep the right to own guns. If I want a gun to protect my family or household, or I think I need one, I want to go buy one.
0: We've been listening to part two of As It Is in the Days of Noah. Altogether, there were five programs from that original 1998 broadcast. Today, we have two resources that I know you'll love. First, Noah's autobiography entitled As It Is in the Days of Noah and the complete radio program series from 1998. Five programs in all on three CDs. Both the book and CD set are available today. When you call 1-800-652-1144, that's 1-800-652-1144, or visit our website, swrc.com. As a special bonus, when you order both, as it is in the days of Noah book and the three CD set, you'll receive Noah Hutchings' book, Studies in Timothy. Call today, 1-800-652-1144. Ask how you can receive free shipping on your order when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always visit our website, swrc.com. Before we head out of here today, I wanted to hear from two of our dear ministry friends. First, we have Dr. Carl Baugh with a Creation Minute. Let's talk for a minute. According to evolutionary theory, it takes a long time for something to petrify, for minerals to intrude organic material and replace it. According to evolutionary theory, sometime it takes hundreds of thousands of years or even millions of years But at the Creation Evidence Museum in Glen Rose, Texas, we have a rose, a petrified rose. It's solid rock. It was original organic material, but it was placed in the hot springs at Karlov Vary in the Czech Republic. And in 14 days, that rose was totally petrified. The chemistry was right, the water temperature was right, the solution was right, but evolution turns out to be wrong. Our next Clarity to the Chaos conference is just a few days away, Saturday and Sunday, April 15th and 16th in Fort Wayne, Indiana at The Cross Church. Greg Patton, Micah Van Hus, Josh Davis, Larry Stam, Lonnie Shipman, and Ken Copley will all be presenting how you and I can have clarity In the midst of all the chaos, visit the events page of our website SWRC.com for complete speaker lineup and schedule SWRC.com and click on events. And to all of our new listeners. Hello. I want to encourage all of our new listeners to request your free new listener pack. The new listener pack includes the latest issue of our prophetic observer newsletter and a free gift. Request your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Now, let's hear from Larry Stamm, author of the book Jewish Roots of Christianity,
2: with today's Messianic Minute. Shalom, friends, Larry Stam here with a Messianic Minute, Biblical Connections Through a Jewish Lens. In Ezekiel 36 verses 25-27, through 27, God affirms His new covenant promise to restore Israel spiritually in the future. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. As believers, we can praise God for cleansing us spiritually, and His Spirit we've received through faith in Jesus. For Titus 3.5 affirms, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. For more connections, visit our website at larrystam.org or see our Larry Stam Ministries Facebook page.
0: Don't forget the tremendous offer today, Noah Hutchings' autobiography, As It Is in the Days of Noah, and the complete radio programs from 1998. Five programs on three CDs. Both the book and CD set are available today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit our website, swrc.com. And as a special bonus, when you order both, as it is in the days of Noah and the 3CD set, you'll receive Noah Hutchings book, Studies in Timothy. Call today one 800 652 1144 Ask how you can receive free shipping on your order when you call one 800 652 1144 That's one 800 or visit us online, swrc.com. Lord willing, we'll be back here Monday, ready to once again bring clarity to the chaos. Don't miss a moment of Watchmen on the Wall. Download our SWRC mobile app or subscribe to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. And friends, head into the weekend with the encouragement that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com.